This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the Influence Alliance, which is the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to build a profitable and scalable business while also launch a successful podcast so that they can make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says, live the life that makes you come alive. And joining me on today's show is Sally Wagner. Sally is the number one international best-selling author, speaker, and life alchemist. And her powerful transformation tools that she uses includes emotional freedom techniques, EFT, as well as neuro-linguistics programming, NLP, so that clients can go into rapid action and get concrete results. Now, clients reclaim conscious choice in their lives and discover and live the life that makes them come alive. Now, on today's show, Sally is going to share how to move from regret to resilience. She's also going to talk about resilience, including four areas. I'm not going to share what they are. We'll unpack those a little bit in a moment, as well as the importance of MSG. And I'll ask Sally to share those a little bit in a moment too during our conversation. Welcome, Sally. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here today. One of the things that I love about um, the opportunity to use technology that we have at our fingertips, which allows me to speak to experts such as yourself, Sally, is that we can communicate from other sides of the planet. I'm here in Melbourne, Australia. You are over in the US, I believe, and it's very late in the evening for you. So we are so appreciative of you coming and sharing your expertise. I'd love to ask you, how did you get into the business? How did you find yourself now doing what you do? Can you give us a bit of a brief overview, a snapshot of the journey that led you down the path where you are today? Absolutely. So I, I took the scenic route. I'll tell you that. Um, I When I was in college many years ago, decades ago, um, I was starting out as a physics major and then I ended up in theology. So it was kind of physics to metaphysics. And that was the trajectory. I was planning to become a professor. And then I got distracted. I went to law school. I spent decades as a lawyer in the corporate world. And then I had one of those epiphanies, those moments where you wake up one day and you just wonder what the hell happened to your life. And uh, it, it brought everything together for me. It kind of crystallized it. And I said, I, I want to help people. I want to be a life coach. And I was already coaching people with EFT, emotional freedom techniques. And so I just used that as an opportunity to add more tools to the toolbox. 
Yeah, I love the way that you said you took the scenic route. Uh, I can certainly relate to, and I know many entrepreneurs uh, can, particularly those that uh, are coming in entrepreneurship as a service-based business, coaches and consultants, which a lot of our audience is. But you know what? In that scenic route that you took to get to where you are today, there is such a richness, isn't there, and a wealth of knowledge and experience that comes from hands-on work Absolutely. experience challenges that you've overcome and of course as we mentioned in the introduction the way in which you support clients is to help them overcome some of the challenges which may have become bottlenecks which may have become uh, strongholds if you will that people were just not able to even recognize and wondering why is it that I cannot get to to where I want to be so let's talk about how to move from regret to resilience no one likes sitting in in that area of regret so what do we need to do so, and so many of us are living with regret because it's kind of like your your view is focused on the rear view mirror. You're not looking forward anymore because of trauma and loss and all kinds of things that we experience in life. And yet, uh, until we can shift that focus to look forward, we're going to be pulled backward by regret. And one of the greatest ways to move out of regret is by building resilience. And we can do that in four major areas of our lives. Yes. How would you define resilience? We have had a number of people who um, have spoken about this, but I'd love your, what what do you, you know, what do you say resilience is for you and and obviously how you support clients? Sure. So uh, first of all, I think a lot of us think that you either have it or you don't, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We see some people and we think, wow, they're really resilient. They really bounced back from that, whatever it was. Uh, And it's important to remember that resilience is a skill that we can all learn. And, And there are four major areas. And so I would kind of break it up in that way and, and identify what it means in those particular areas. And so, uh, physical, emotional, mental, social, Uh, are the four major areas. And physical resilience is our ability to withstand physical stress and heal our bodies when we're damaged or or when we're sick. Uh, uh, Physical stamina, those kinds of things are physical resilience. And then we have emotional resilience. That's the ability to tap into positive emotions on demand so Mm -hmm. that we're not simply reacting to life events, we're actually responding and we're consciously choosing how we respond to those events. So that's emotional resilience. And then mental is our ability to weigh options and think rationally, our ability to formulate plans and come up with systems and structures and, and goals and those kinds of things for our lives. And, and then social, is so important. It's the ability to connect with others um, socially, uh, like like we're doing now. We're chatting uh, friends, family, neighbors, and also becoming involved in our community to, to give back to a greater purpose beyond ourselves. Yes, I love that. And of course, you then shared the four areas of resilience, physical, emotional, mental and social. So we can unpack those a little bit. But one of the things that I wanted to stress, which you said right at the onset around the topic of resilience, 
some of us may be limiting ourselves to becoming more resilient in all of those areas or maybe one of those areas is more where we need to focus by saying, oh, they're so resilient, I'm not like that. But as you say, it is something that we can learn. So first off, if that's what you're saying to yourself, I wish I was more resilient, guess what? You can be more resilient. Let's talk about just, let's just a a big picture overview, if you will, as you were talking about those four areas, which as you mentioned, physical, emotional, mental and social, if you find that we may need to do some work, Sally, in the area of our physical resilience. Mm-hmm. Does that then impact the other areas as well? Do they cross-relate? Do they integrate? Ooh. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. They're not distinct. Uh, you know, we talk about them differently and individually just to be able to make sense of it. And yet they are interrelated. Uh, and ideally, they are all integrated into our whole being so that we achieve uh, an overall sense of resilience and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're focusing on physical resilience and physical fitness and nutrition and all of those things, you can't help but improve your mental capabilities and your mental resilience, right? Because what we eat Uh, is going to and what we ingest in other ways is going to affect our mental capabilities one way or another Um, the same with emotions you know we can um, feel in a certain way and then that's going to impact how we act and behave how we interact with others socially uh, the decisions we make about nutrition and fitness and all of those kinds of things so we really can't divorce any of them from the others Yeah. And that's a good thing, but it's also something that we need to be aware of because, you know, I'm sure we've all heard the saying, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if there's one area that maybe out of those four areas, again, physical, emotional, mental, and social, that perhaps is a weakest link, we may be strong in the other three areas, but somehow that fourth area, if we can bring that up to, you know, being more resilient in that area, that's going to impact all of them. But also too, from what you said, if you do start to become, let's talk about physical, more aware of, well, how can I be more resilient uh, in the area of my physical area? what decisions do I have to make? What new right. habits can I create? What do I need to let go of that continues yeah. to surface for me that ultimately is going to impact the emotional aspect because you're not beating yourself up? Because often regret can lead to shame and then anger and you beat yourself up and you go up through this whole roller coaster of emotions yeah. and so on and so forth. So I'd love for you to share, is obviously in your work, you found that there are similarities so often as humans, don't we? We think we're the only ones that go through a certain um, something or other. But actually, when we start talking to others, that oh, I can relate to that too, and that can mm-hmm. be that can be a bit of a positive for us. But what do you see quite often? Maybe. I'll let you choose any of those areas or maybe you want to kind of reflect over all of them. Some of the things that you see that, hey, be mindful of this because when we're talking about resilience, you may find that this is often an area that, you know, people can struggle with. What have you found over the years? So I think probably the most important one is the emotional aspect. Yeah. Um, because uh, it's it's part of mindset and a little uh, sneak preview that's the M and MSG mindset okay. and mindset is so important because it has to do with those stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and the key is it, it's not what you don't know that holds you back it's what you do know that's not true that holds you back 
And we tell ourselves so many things that are not true about ourselves. And then those thoughts are going to determine the feelings we have, the emotions we have. And suddenly we find that we're being controlled by our emotions because our emotions then determine our actions and our actions determine our results. So if we can get a handle on those emotions, and as I said, choose to access those positive emotions when we desire rather than being ruled by these emotions that just come and go at will. Uh, I think that is really key to all the other things because um, it's think of it as a thermostat, right? Uh, It's it's not a, a thermometer that you're just reacting to the environment around you. You're consciously choosing to set your environment through your emotions like joy and happiness and love and compassion and those kinds of positive emotions that are going to impact everything else. Yeah, I love that you shared that. And I'm going to get you to share the importance of MSG. You've already shared with us that M's is for mindset. What are the other two? Because I think from now, the conversation is going to bounce off both of those areas. The resilience is in these four areas and we need MSG in all of those areas all to move forward. So what's the S and what's the G in MSG? Yeah, so S is skill set. Uh, because we're typically not taught to have a a positive mindset. And so sometimes we need skills to get that mindset that we would like. And then the G part is get off your assets because we have to take action to make anything happen in life. Uh, Otherwise, it's just philosophy, right? It's a a, a vision board uh, and nice pictures to look at, but we're not doing anything about it. So we have to take action. Yeah, I love that. So MSG is mindset, skill set, and then get off your asset. And of course, we're looking at physical, emotional, mental, and social, the four areas where we really want to build resilience. And as Sally said, one of the key areas that we really want to spend some time and that can often be where we can become undone in other areas is the emotional. And I think mental goes very well too, because that's the thoughts, isn't it? Because our thoughts impact Mm -hmm. our feelings and our feelings can then impact our thoughts. And if we aren't able to control that, and here's something that I want you to speak a little bit into, because often we assume or we have a misunderstanding that we can't really control our emotions or that our environment is going to determine our emotions, but we can actually control the emotions. So it's like you may not be able to control what's happening to you or what others may be saying about you or, you know, implementing that causes you a bit of a, you know, kind of controlling you, but you can control how it lets you become impacted and that that goes around the mental and the emotional. So let's talk about what are some of the mindset shifts that we may need to be aware of and and make that would help us to grow more resilience in the emotional area. Yeah. So uh, mindset is key. And I I think Bob Proctor and probably a lot of other people said it's 95% mindset. And so one of the factors of mindset is perspective. Uh, and, and we need to understand that our perspective is limited. And you were talking about, you know, we're impacted by what other people think and say about us. 
Well, our perspective is limited. They have a different perspective. And, and if we can broaden our perspective uh, so that it's not so limited and narrow, kind of like the story of the blind men and the elephant, right? They all felt a different part of the elephant. And so they defined it in a different way. And our perspective is also limited always. And as we can broaden our perspective, we change our mindset and we see more possibilities and we're yes. not limited by by those incomplete perceptions. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of um, kind of look, you know, at our perspective, some of the things because um, neuro-linguistic programming, I've done mm -hmm. certifications over the years too, and it was really impactful in understanding how the mind works because yes. when you, and then the self-awareness around what are the tendencies that you have. And so often we can either generalize or over, and I can't remember the name, but that's when someone just you know, it just explodes when actually it's not, you know, the mountain yeah. out of a, a molehill. Some of these things are things that we naturally may instantly go to, isn't it? And it's mm -hmm. recognising, you know, what am I doing that is, is, is what I'm doing either hindering or helping the situation? Yeah. What are some things that we can start doing, Sally, so that we can start to recognise maybe some of the triggers or some of the, the things that we're doing that we can then change? Because sometimes... I know you mentioned we don't have to have a clear awareness of everything, but sometimes understanding and seeing, getting a little bit of that self-awareness around some of the tendencies that we may have is where we can then start to, to focus on, isn't it? Can you share a few insights if that makes sense? Yeah, ab absolutely. I, I think it's so important to understand um, and as you were talking about NLP, I was thinking of the reframe, you know, the, the ability to reframe um, it is so key uh, because when when we reframe, we're telling a different story. And yeah. so we're changing, we're interrupting that pattern of telling ourselves a story and then we have feelings about the story and then we act in a certain way and we get results that we may not like. And then those results are going to reinforce that story. If we can change the story, then we can change the outcome. And, and it's, it's difficult when you first start, and yet as you practice it more and more, it becomes second nature, it becomes fun. Um, and it's important to remember we're not deceiving ourselves or deluding ourselves. We're not lying about our circumstances. We're just consciously choosing to tell a different story that is equally true, right? Mm -hmm. And yet it has more utility for us individually. And, and when we can do that, when we can take the time to have mindfulness enough to understand the story we're telling ourselves, then yes. we also have the power to change it. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to put some context by giving an example uh, because often we talk about that self-fulfilling uh, prophecy and that mm -hmm. often what we do as individuals or humans is we look for evidence to prove our belief is true. So in yeah. the example of perhaps public speaking, coming on podcasts, if we believe that we're no, not good at public speaking, we're going to make mistakes, mm -hmm. well, ultimately what you're going to do, and it happens often as an instant, isn't it? You uh, keep 
an eye out for the times where you may not be able to think and then your mind is going whilst you're live on the interview, see, I, I'm making mistakes, I'm no good at this. And yeah. that continues to build, doesn't it, to the point where you get so distracted, guess what, you mm-hmm. feel really unhappy and there you go, believe my, you know, proven my belief is true that I am, you know, not a very good public speaker. Yet, as you said, change that story there's a way to go in improvement, but I'm going to be mindful. What did work well? What do I want to continue? And when you follow a new story, eventually you build the confidence, don't you, and the courage to step out there and then all of a sudden you're starting to see a different result. That's kind of what you're talking about. And when we slow that down, the mindfulness, we're able to, um, yeah, find a a different result. Do you find that it's because often we're too impatient? We want things to happen right now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, a lot of uh, people in the, the public sphere are talking about manifestation and law of attraction and all this kind of stuff. And we think it's going to happen just like that. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's not necessarily right. The, the true magic is in the work that we try to avoid. Right? <laughs> and, and, and I think uh, it, the it's important to have fabulous goals, right? Have the biggest goals you can imagine. I think Richard Branson, I, you know, lots of quotes, Richard Branson says, if your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. So you want to have those big, scary goals and you want to have a system and structure in place that is going to have daily activities that move you in the direction of that big, scary goal. It's the daily grind that's going to get you there. And, yeah. and to be able to find the joy in that, uh, mm-hmm. to be able to repeat it every day, that's bliss, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And let's face it, I mean, I, I think as entrepreneurs and business owners, um, the whole entrepreneurship in business, there's a lot of unknowns, isn't there? There's a yeah. lot of risk taking and, and so forth. And mm-hmm. um, and we probably wouldn't have it any other way because there's something about that that's quite exciting. But it does bring up the... The, the conversation then of, well, when we do move forward and have these really big goals that scare us, we need to be mindful that we don't um, create bottlenecks in that, okay, something happened and it failed. We did a beautiful reframe at the beginning and some people may not have noticed it. You said you took, not that you said it from a negative point of view, but some people might say, well, it took me ages. You know, we talk about overnight success, yes, but you don't see the 20, 30, 40 years right. that's kind of spent in yeah. the trenches doing the, the hard work. But you know, we so rather than saying, "Well, it took me so many years," we we but look at the richness that you could only ever ha- have through that experience. And I used to do that, and I didn't know at that time, you know, NLP and the the reframe for people who were in the workforce yet they were of mature age. They would often say to me, Sally, "Well, how can I compete with all of these graduates?" Right. It's going to be very difficult for them to position themselves as a value-added employee if in their own mind they're already creating barriers that, hey, yeah. I'm older. But I tell you what, any degree that someone has just worked out, you know, gotten under their belt, fantastic, congratulations. But nothing other than time and, and challenges and innovation and initiatives can ever be compared than if you've had 20 you know, 30, 40 years experience. So again, it's the reframe, isn't it? And yes. whatever we're telling ourselves will impact the results that we, we get. So sometimes what are we telling ourselves? 
that's not helping us, yes? Absolutely. And and when we tell ourselves things like that, we're holding ourselves back. Because yeah. if you say you can't, you won't. Yeah. Well, isn't it Henry Ford that says if you think you can and if you think you can't, you're yes. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and that's right. so true. It's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. And I mean, we if you think about what everybody around the world has experienced over the last two years, there's been significant change. Um, I see the benefits of that. Yes, we've been in lockdown and yes, I am more of an introvert. So I was really excited when like, all of the events and the peopling, um, you know, had to get cancelled. I just ended up doing more peopling on, online. But think of the amount of people now who have tapped into the online space and realized, oh my goodness, there's a whole new world out there that I may not have even become aware of were it not for having to, to go online. Do you think that quite often as um, human beings, individuals, that because we instantly, its I don't know whether it's human nature or something, we instantly look for the what can I do, the, the things that I'm missing out on, the regret, rather than looking at kind of the silver lining. What are the benefits? What are the, you know, what are the, um, one of my clients has written a book, The Gift Mindset. What are the gifts in this particular challenge and in this situation? Do you find that we so often neglect looking at the silver linings? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember many years ago hearing a joke about two little boys and uh, one was optimist, one was pessimist. And, it, you know, they put the, the pessimist in a room full of brand new toys and he wouldn't play with any of them because he was afraid they would break. And then they put the optimist in a room full of manure and he immediately started digging and he said, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. So, it's, it, you know, it, I think, it, again, it goes back to the mindset and consciously choosing to find that silver lining in everything. Yeah, everything. I love that. I'd love for you to share, if you would, um, a little bit of information around emotional freedom techniques and then maybe a little bit you can share about neuralistic NLP neuralistic uh, programming but the reason why is because I introduced that as part of uh, what you do and there may be people who are listening who are thinking I don't really know what that is yet it is a modality that is specialized that can really support them I'm a bit of what one of those people you know the nature nurture both not one or the other and when yeah. I did a lot of my training I learned a lot of different modalities and realized that there are so many opportunities when yes. you've got a rich toolkit and and these provide some rich toolkits so can you share in case someone hasn't actually heard of either of those absolutely and I love what you said about the rich toolkit and and that's one of the things I tell people as part of the skill set think about multiple complementary skills that deepen and broaden your ability to render service to others. And so EFT, uh, emotional freedom techniques, is a form of energy psychology, best way I can describe it. And, and that is based on the concept that there are energy fields in our bodies uh, that we can access to promote healing and positive change in our lives. And so it's a way to reach into the the perhaps subconscious levels where all of those emotions, I call them mind apps, uh, paradigms, yeah. the mind apps, like on your phone, because, you know, we all know what apps do on our phones and we have the same thing in our subconscious minds and they slow things down and they drain the battery and they have competing purposes, just like the apps on my phone, you know, 
and and we we can reach the level of those mind apps we can make true change from the inside out so it's no longer a matter of willpower if it's willpower we've lost the battle uh, and we know that from all the statistics about failed new year's resolutions and diets that people go on and on and on right and and the goal is to make true positive change from the inside out and EFT is one of those modalities that allows us to do that. And it's, it's based on the energy meridians, just like uh, acupuncture and acupressure, but no needles, just yeah. tapping. Just yeah. tapping. I, I love that you share that. And in a moment, I'll, I'll uh, ask you to share a little bit about neuro-linguistic programming. Sometimes you hear about these techniques and depending on, you know, kind of your upbringing, some of these techniques might be, oh, it's a little bit, you know, yeah. bit, uh, you know. but uh, I, I've done a little bit of research in EFFT and actually one of the certifications, which is around money uh, blocks, the teacher, the trainer who came up with the particular system, she was very much in you know into um the emotional freedom techniques and what we don't realize that some of us do is that when we talked about those four areas of resilience which you recommend we really need to build areas in physical emotional mental and social we talked about how mental and uh, emotional our thoughts and feelings can be impacted you know vice versa what happens is if you've got an unaddressed emotional that you're carrying around with you it can manifest itself into illness disease it's been proven that if you continue to you know put yourself under immense pressure unforgiveness can turn itself into an illness and so EFT is one way that you can actually release that from the body years ago when I fell off my horse I got concussion I actually went to all sorts of different uh, doctors and modalities and everything because I continue to get headaches, Sally. And it wasn't until I went because my parents said, well, I don't know what we're going to do. So they took me to an acupuncturist. And it was after that that I started to feel some release, you know, and so didn't get as many headaches. So there's some real, um, yeah, some valid, you know, such as EFT modalities and things that can really help get into the core of that. Speak a little bit about NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is quite right. a mouthful, which is why it's shortened it to yeah, NLP. Right. And and I uh, I remember a long time ago I when NLP was new, uh, learning about it. I did a, a an extended uh, seminar on it to learn more, and it was like magic, right? <laughs> and uh, just amazing. And then uh, again took a different direction. Uh, and then I came back to it years later. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, neuro it has to do with how the brain works. Linguistic is, you know, how, how we communicate linguistically. And then programming has to do with those mind apps and the behaviors that we engage in strategies. Sometimes they're called clusters of behaviors that get triggered by certain things. And, um, NLP has some amazing interventions and modalities that help very similarly to EFT that help to get to those emotions that perhaps are stuck because we carry it in our bodies, right? It's everything is energy. We carry the, the energy of those emotions in our bodies. And you're absolutely right. They do make us more or less susceptible to disease, especially inflammatory disease. And, and those kinds of um, stress you mentioned, um, traumas, 
they can actually affect the length of the telomeres on our DNA strands, uh, which can then make us more susceptible to inflammatory disease. And so with modalities such as EFT, NLP, those types of things, we can truly change our physiology and change our lives. Yeah. One of the things that I learned when I was doing NLP, and this is something that maybe you hear other people say as well, is that, you know, something happened and all of a sudden what previously throughout life you might have just been able to plot along, navigate through, all of a sudden becomes something that really is, that needs to be looked at, that needs yes. to be addressed. And that is because throughout our life, these little significant events, something happens mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it triggers and it goes yeah. back to every time something like a disappointment, something, yeah. and it strengthens a lot of them, isn't it? It's a significant yes. event. And that's one of the reasons why when something Something happens, such as maybe the last two years, someone may say, Sally, I don't know what it is, but I was fine. But then all of a sudden now I'm unable to get up in the morning or this keeps yeah. happening. That is because there's a significant event that has happened and now caused all of those other things, which may have been something that you've been able to manage, suddenly now um, become something that you recognise, hey, something is is uh, not quite right. And, and I'm glad we're having this conversation too because yes. now more than ever, people who have, well, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll be fine, I'll just ignore and keep going, Mm -hmm. Actually, we can't ignore that, isn't it? Yeah. Find someone to talk to. Sometimes just speaking to someone who has a bipartisan, you know, um, what if that is that the right word? Someone who, uh, sometimes we, we go to a relative, but they bring their own kind yeah. of stuff yeah. to it so that you can't kind of just, you know, they have their own judgments, but we need someone who is non-judgmental yes. and is able to, to talk about that. And then such as yourself, use some of these tools to help you navigate through that. Mm -hmm. um, now I think is, is a time where we need to be doing that because of, of the significant things, you know, complexities um, that we've gone through. Sally, if someone has listened either live or to the recording and thinks, mm, I think I need someone like Sally on my team, someone to support me in that way, what's the best way that they can get in contact with you? My website is Sally, S-A-L-L-I-E, Wagner.com. Uh, it's a redirect and the name of my company and the website is also intentionallifecoaching.net. Fantastic. Sally, thank you so much. Uh, as I mentioned, it is late where you are at and uh, you stayed up and we're so appreciative of that. And I know that uh, the conversation we had today will certainly uh, is rich in, in insights and ours, I'm sure, was a plenty and it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Likewise. Thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.